Welcome to the X Factor Roping Podcast. Our goal is to give you the knowledge and tools to get the most out of what you love to do. I'm Pace Freed, the owner of XFactorRoping.com and your host. We want to bring you the best content possible and it would mean so much to us if you would continue to sign up and support XFactorRoping.com. Thank you for listening. When you were growing up and starting to advance through the the ranks and getting to that stage where you wanted to open, you know, enter the open ropings. What helped you get better runs? What do you think some of the some keys that you would recommend to people that are starting to rope better and they're wanting to find better runs and, and for all levels of guys? Yeah, you know, I used to I didn't think this way, but now I do. It's uh, you got to pay your dues. You got to be seen. Um, the guys that head great or that heal great, um, you have to find someone that'll enter with you and keep showing up and show them that you're dedicated and, and that you want to do it. Um, you know, it's my deal. Whenever I started opening the, you know, back when I was a kid, it was ABC ropings and they had a mixed roping. But um, it wasn't, I think I was 12 or 13 whenever I got put in the A roping. So I was roping against all the tough guys you know, at a very young age, and it was almost like they they just kind of accepted me in. You know, I don't really know what was the defining moment. And I had a my dad headed steers really good, so I had a I had a built-in partner there. He uh, before he got hurt really bad, he was he was really tough in the team roping and the calf roping world. But um, you know, and then I had Jimmy Cooper that helped raise me and, you know, basically helped teach me how to rope and Kent Youngblood. So I had some built-in partners. And then back then it was a three for 30 everywhere you went. And it was okay for them guys to put up $15 to go rope with a, a younger boy or somebody that might not rope as well. Nowadays it's $150 every time you nod your head. And it's just the game we play now. It's kind of flip-flopped around. But just do your job and do your homework and be respectful and, you know, put the word out there. Don't be afraid. It's almost like asking the pretty girl in school out on a date. Don't don't be afraid to start at the top and go to asking. You never know who's in a position where they do need a partner or they might be willing to switch or rope with you or something. You know, it's it's like me. I've been thinking really hard about maybe going back rodeoing and the guy that I'm wanting to rope with is a young guy that's never made it. You know, and I mean, I know he ropes good and he comes from, he's a third generation guy that, I know he's he's a good hand, but he's never been there, and he's hungry, and that's what he's wanting to do. And I think that, that I could feed off of that, and it would help motivate me rather than right. Randon and I taking off, and we're both old and fat and want to go home all the time and <laughs> bickering at each other. So it's kind of... Right. I think, too, you know, Walt, Walt Woodard told me this one time. He says, they'll notice. If you're mm -hmm. out there enough, they'll notice the spins. Yep. And, uh, and so you got to be out there putting yourself in that situation, and... And, you know, it was probably a lot easier when the fees were cheaper. And, and now it seems to me that everyone, at least in the Stephenville area, they're all they're running them every day. So if you're a header and you've got four or five head horses and you've got two or three practice yeah, horses. Yeah, interrupt. Go, go practice. There's a lot of healers that like spins. And yep. you could probably, you know, you turn them enough steers in the practice pen and you're right there and you say, hey, what about this jackpot? Yeah. Do you need a run? And I'll tell you the greatest influence probably – in my rodeo career, not teaching me how to rope, none of that, but Martin Lucero, you know, took me under his wing from an amateur rodeo guy that was heading steers. And I mean, obviously he's seen that 
you know, I could do well and that we could make a living, but he taught me how to rodeo, taught me, you know, how to get around, trading, I mean, everything. So I owe him a huge thanks, and he's always willing to help a young guy, and, and he's two steps ahead of the game. He's just sneaky about stuff and how he knows how to do things, and people like that, you know, they're, they're, their time is valuable if you, and I'm not opposed to hiring a guy that, you know, if this is what you want to do for a living, right. one of them great guys, they need a job or they want to go, and you know, I've heard people frown about that. But I disagree with that 100 percent. If it makes me a hundred more thousand a year, I'll pay you fifty thousand. Right. And you make fifty more thousand. It's not hard to figure out the business end of that. And, um, if you have the capabilities of that, and a lot of people that rope now, they have access to that. You know, at 12 and 13, 14 years old, for me, that's what I did to make a living for my family. I mean, that's, that's what we did. Right. And now, you know, they're split little turds. They get, <laughs> they got nice horses to ride. They get nice vehicles to go in and all the stuff, and that's awesome. That's what I wanted to get out of my life to be able to provide for my children like that. And I've had a lot of help to get to that point. But it's a lot different than what it used to be. And my, I mean, if my boys, if I'm not capable of going with them whenever I get that age, I will not be one bit afraid to go hire a guy that I know has been there, like myself, that I know has the capabilities of helping them win and better their future. And it just makes it so much faster for them right. to get with a good guy. Well, and, and a winner. Mm -hmm. Guys that are winners, uh, there's a lot to be learned from oh, just yeah. how they act when you're filling the truck up to head oh, to the yeah. rodeo and their mentality. And uh, if it were me, that's <laughs> that's some stuff that I've really gotten, and, and just been in the last couple of years, but being around guys that rope really well is understanding what it takes to be a winner yeah. and, and how they act and, and what they're what they're expecting. And there's not the much change in those guys from good to bad times to, you know, that was a deal that took me a while to get over that. I was pretty emotional about winning and pretty emotional about losing. And, you know, I'd ride the highs and swallow the lows. And <clears throat> it got to where it was just too stressful, you know, worrying about this, worrying about that. And I, I tell Newt all the time, you just back in there and go rope. You have the capabilities, you have good horses, you, you, you know, you're top of your numbering system right now, go rope, it'll play out. The cream always rises. <clears throat> and um, those guys, you never know. And I mean, you can ask both my boys, the first thing I tell them is win, lose, or draw. When you ride through this out gate, I don't wanna know. I wanna have to ask you what you did. I don't want you smiling from ear to ear because you caught one, and I don't want you frowning and crying because you missed one. you got to learn to level out and be that guy that you are and just stay committed to your job. You know, and I, I think that my career would have lasted a lot longer for me if I'd have had somebody tell me that. But I was raised under a roof to where if you didn't win, you stomped your hat and cussed and kicked the truck and all that, and that's fine. I mean, my dad was very emotional about rodeo and still is to this day. But... I think that if he would have helped me level off that, you know, I wouldn't have been so tired and stressed out about it. I'd have just mellowed out. And well, it's important to, to realize things like that and be able to self-evaluate. Oh, and, yeah. and then to, you know, as you move into the later stages of yeah. your career and you've got your, your boys coming up and 
And that's one thing is there's always people looking up to you, whether it's your kids or outside. There, there is, and that's the great thing about rodeo is you get to communicate with the people that we do look up to. And, um, you know, I, I did it as a kid. I, you know, I chased all them top-notch guys around and followed them around and quizzed them and asked them questions and would take their old ropes. And, right. I, I mean, I was, I was that kid that drove them nuts. And... That's what it takes. If somebody's passionate about it, for sure. But you have to learn to to let those emotions stay in and, and feed off of that. You know, Trevor Brazil's the best I've ever seen about it. I mean, he's obviously he's the number one winningest guy that's ever walked. But you don't know whether he just tied one in six or tied one in twelve, or if he was three flat in the team roping, or if he was thirty. You don't know. He's got a smile on his face. He's good to be around. He's a good champion. He's presented, presented himself well, and hats off to him. I mean, a, I think he's done a fantastic job promoting himself and being who he is, and, and I enjoy that a, a lot about him. And, and I feel that Trevor and I are, are good friends and close friends, and, and uh, he's the same with me as he is with whoever walks through the door. He's just who he is, and I, I, I enjoy seeing that. Well, and I think one thing that's really neat to look at, like Trevor, is he's been at the top, very successful for a long time. And then I got to watch him at a lot of the rodeos this year, and he had a rough year rodeoing. And I don't know Trevor at all, but, I, I mean, they did not do well in the team roping for their expectations. And he never, he, I mean, he never threw a fit. He, You know, when he they, they stayed most of the summer till it was yeah. kind of time for Patrick to go home and, and he just stayed, he stayed with it. And it was cool to see because now that the, the year started over, I guarantee he's gonna be, fix what was happening and, and, and moving forward. And yeah. there's the, one of the yeah, best I'd, guys, if not the best winner in the world no, in, in our industry. You. And that's how he's doing it. I went out and when Patrick came home, I went out and healed for him at Billings. And uh, uh, we might have entered two rodeos that week or something, but. Uh, he breaks a barrier and misses one at Billings. And uh, when I, as we're riding out, you know, he said, I'm sorry. And, I mean, from that point on, it was over. It's done. And, I mean, why not? What are you going to get out of harping on what you just messed up? You'll never get him back, ever. I mean, whenever you rode past the stripping sheet down there, it was totally over. And it's, there's nothing you can do about that steer and harping on it and moaning and whining and pissing about it that next one's what's what's important you know and if that is the last steer that you're ever going to run who cares anyways you know i mean what what what's the big deal you just will be enjoying it yeah because i mean that's what you're yeah that's what we all start at is is it all it started for a hobby for all of us whether we're two years old or 20 years old or 40 years old you know, I can remember roping a dummy and roping a goat on a stake, and it was just fun. That was my enjoyment. That's what my game was. It wasn't going and playing basketball, or it wasn't going and chasing girls, or it was being a cowboy and roping. That's That was what I enjoyed to do. And to this day, that's what I enjoy to do. Riding two-year-olds and roping with the boys, that's, what, that's my game. That's what I like to do. You know, I'm miserable if I don't get to do that. Right. Um, or even working the shoots, I'm about as good as shoot help as there is. And I'll, <laughs> I'll put my money up against anybody to shoot talk help. Talk some but, trash, too. Yeah. I think you're getting pretty yeah, close um, And, and the people have to remember it's a game. 
I mean, it's not basketball and it's not football, and a lot of us do it for a living, but it's a game. And, and when the fun's out of the game, it's not a game no more, and it stinks. That's why I quit. You know, I just I couldn't make myself happy. I, it was like I maxed my ability out, and I was hung in that one spot. Then I got to trying to press and do other things to get better than what I was capable of doing. Then it got miserable for me. If I'd have mellowed out and stayed, you know, in the, I mean, I was in the top five in the team in open world standings four years or three years, whatever it was in a row there. And, but I wanted to win a gold buckle. I wanted this. I got to do this. I got to do that. I went from being that to not even making the finals one year, being 16th in the world standings. And, and Jake got hurt. And, you know, I mean, bless his heart, he didn't get to go. And he roped his butt off and made it. And the guy that's pressing and throwing a fit gets to go and rope in his place. You know, I didn't want to go out there and rope on it. And under those circumstances, I mean, everybody wants to go rope at the finals and have a chance for that much money, but definitely didn't want to go rope under those circumstances. And at that time, I knew that, like, the light bulb, it, it burned out, and it was time to put something else in my life to, to get my light burning again. And... Um, I found it with these little knuckleheads that are in here and playing with, you know, the horse deal. I, I've got 25 head of mares and some studs and raising some babies and starting some cow horses. And, I mean, I'm just fine staying out there and pulling on two-year-olds all day. I get a big kick out of that. And that's what keeps my light burning right now. And it was fun to get to come to Odessa and get to go to the jackpots and compete. I mean, I could tell that I was not ready. Uh, but we we placed in both the jackpots and we placed at the rodeo and I mean we didn't win anything but it was fun it's fun to win right. you know any time that you win it's fun but it, I was like a kid again you know I was I couldn't sleep the night before I was ready right. you know and that that makes it fun right so but. well Joe I'm kind of curious I I mean we got <laughs> I kind of got us deviated away from the Snapchat questions which is which is fine with me but I. We got a little bit more time. You good on time also? Absolutely. Awesome. I would like to know more about your story. You know, growing up, what, what your childhood was kind of like. When, you know, when did you first start to, to get into the, the Western industry? Was that just what you knew? Or? Well, um, I had the greatest. Uh, uh, my story comes from, uh, you know, a, a Native American kid that, that uh my mom moved here and she married, which is my dad now. I was right out a year old. Um, and then she and then Jimmy and Janie stayed together for eight years, I think, and I lived with him the whole time. His dad was a horse trainer, calf horse trainer. All my uncles rodeoed and roped calves, and my dad roped calves and rodeoed. Never had a pot to piss in. I mean, you could have put all their money together and wouldn't have been able to rub two nickels together, you know. And But they, I mean, every day they roped and worked at it. And my dad made a living 19 years amateur rodeoing. Uh, he said he wasn't big enough to make it in the PRCA back then. Uh, I don't agree with that. He, he didn't learn how to flank the correct way. And he and I have talked about this later on, uh, you know, and he said that they're just, he's 73 now, and he said there just wasn't, technology and nobody would tell you anything back then on how to flank one or anything so he never learned the proper way for a smaller guy to flank he could win on the smaller kids in the amateur ranks so anyways he come home at 39 years old and started raising 
me and which my sister is uh, is actually his daughter. Um, and I'm don't get me wrong when I say that I'm his son, but he adopted me later on. Um, so, I mean, I had a great childhood as far as being able to rope. We had four steers that uh, Jimmy Cooper gave us, and I had one horse that my grandpa bought. Uh, from a sale barn in Lubbock, Texas. I called him Buddy. I went to the Booger Barter Finals at, I was 11 years old and uh, I won the Booger Barter Finals that year and wound up buying that horse off my grandpa and I had him up until I started my PRCA career, um, which he was old and crippled. I didn't ride him there at the later part of his time. Uh, and I had another horse that Jimmy Cooper let me buy from him I called Turbo that I won the state high school finals on won the amateur uh, association on that horse. Um, I had, so those were my two horses that I had. Uh, we had a Lincoln Mercury uh, car with a two horse inline. And uh, then we, later on, my dad bought a F-150, I think it was a 1992 F-150 blue and white truck that every time you'd leave town, you'd have to take it to a mechanic shop and get it fixed. We could have bought four new trucks for what we spent on that thing. <laughs> but, um, you know, life was good, and it, the whole time growing up, it was. It doesn't matter what you pull up in; it's what you unload and what you pull out with. Um, you know, I wasn't. I've never been materialistic. I mean, I like nice horses. I've always liked pretty girls, and you know, I want my kids to have nice things. But as far as trucks and trailers, and it's just transportation. And really, horses are that way too. I hear people, oh, I just fall in love with this horse, and I don't know what I'd do if I didn't have him and stuff. Uh, you know, when the gray horse I had got killed, it was, it was hard, but that's transportation, they're a tool. And so I didn't think about all that stuff, that I, that I didn't have it as good as anyone else. My dad worked for the county, made $1,200 a month, single parent. Um, my mom got into, she was an alcoholic, um, wound up got, getting a bunch of DWIs and sent off, and she's back now, and uh, she come back whenever my boys were a little bitty, uh, just born, and has done, turned her life around, took a 360 and changed everything, just awesome, you know, what she's done and accomplished, but... Uh, we lived in a single wide trailer house that my dad and I won enough money at Abilene, Texas. I think we won $10,000 at the U.S. Rope in there, and we bought us a trailer house. And we had those four steers and three or four horses, and we'd rope about 100 a day. The most steers would have cuts. I mean, they'd just be cut to the bone on their legs. And we didn't, heck, I didn't know any better. I didn't care, I guess. I'd just keep roping them and dallying. They weighed about 700 pounds, <laughs> huge things. Uh, but I mean, that's what we had. That was what we did. Um, we lived there until I got 17 years old and I moved to Stephenville, Texas to live with Trent Walls. Um, he helped me get started in my rodeo career. And then uh, I roped with him a few places and then I went to to rope him with uh, Steve Northcott headed for me at a few places that didn't work out. Um, and were you healing when you started yes, out? Yes, I always healed Mainly uh, healing. until 2007 I started heading. And in 2008 was my first year as a header. Um, Martin and I made the national finals and I uh, won the Texas Circuit uh, Championship. And I think we won third in the world that year. But um, And the next year I started out uh, roping with Trevor. 
and I got broke about Selena's time and come home and I didn't make the finals that year, missed it by a little bit. I, I don't know what the numbers were. And he wound up finishing the year out with uh, Wayne Fulmer and he won his first all-around world championship that year. Um, you know, my deal was I just, I was having to rob Peter to pay Paul and being young and dumb and not knowing how to manage anything. And <clears throat> it, it thought the world owed me something. Uh, I just quit. Um, I quit rodeo and I come home and got a job and uh, married the boy's mom. Uh, my wife now, we've been married for 14 years. Uh, and I went to work for a cutting horse place out here. I was making $800 a month riding colts. And uh, I'd go to work about 5 o'clock in the morning and work till 4 or 5 in the afternoon. And then I'd go and shoe a couple horses a day. I did that for a while. And I had a horse kick me and tore my knee up uh, a few years into that. And, uh, and we wound up splitting sheets. You know, he, he didn't want me working for him. I couldn't do anything, and I couldn't do anything. So... I told my wife then, I said, uh, I'm not going to starve ever again. You know, I'm going to do something. So I started taking outside horses in for myself and um, decided I was going to start heading just for the jackpots around here. You know, I was, at that time, I was a nine healer. They didn't have triad numbers. It was the old deal. And right. I had a number nine heel, heel card. And there was, uh, I, could, I can't remember the exact numbers. I think that there was a, a 11 nine and a seven and maybe a five roping back then I, I i'd have to look back and see so there wasn't many ropings like a roping except for the open ropings and uh <clears throat> so i went to Hedden, and that was the year that they maybe right in there they started the triad number deals and there was a bunch of ropings around they had to give me a pretty good number and i went to roping and a couple guys that healed pretty good uh, josh Patton and uh, scott stone called me and they wanted me to go head for them at the amateur rodeos, and I took off with them, and Josh and I wound up winning the year-end in the TCRA amateur ranks around here. Uh, I think we won it a couple, two or three times there, um, I, maybe three times. But that second year that I went and done that, I roped with Martin and Josh, and Martin kind of mentioned going to some pro rodeos, and so we took off, and... Uh, I think, we, I don't know that we left Texas. We won Salinas, and I don't remember roping at Cheyenne or, you know, I'm sure we did, but, uh, you know, I don't remember being up there and gone that much. I think that we pretty much done everything rodeoing right here in Texas and around. Just having like, did you guys win San Antonio that year too? Uh, second at San Antonio, yeah. And, and just, I mean, every time we nodded our head, we won. It seemed like we won Dallas that year, the tour finale. We went from being like 14th in the world standings all the way to second in the world standings going into the finals, you know. Right. And, uh, had a good Omaha and placed pretty good at Puyallup. I remember going to Puyallup thinking, my God, do they have rodeos up here? You know, it's so <laughs> far away and uh, stuff like that. that but... It, I wanted to make the finals one time, whether it was roping kids, heading, healing. Uh, you know, I've tried everything. I tried to ride Bronx. I, I tried it all. And I wanted to make the finals one time, and that's what I told my wife. It's really funny. You hear people saying, well, you know, you don't have the money to go. You don't have this. Uh, the Lord, as my witness and my wife, I had a, uh, 
uh, a decent pickup. It was, a, a, I think, a 2002 Ford pickup that we had bought and financed. Um, and then we had a 16-foot bar top stock trailer that was, I mean, it was pretty king, you know, back then for right. a dang wheat hand cowboy guy, day worker around here. So I, had, I thought that was a nice rig. And um, I went and filled in in 2007. I went and filled in for Patrick. Trevor was in Canada and I roped with him at Sheridan, uh, Casper and and those. Um, well we went up there, my wife and I and Newt, little bitty baby, and we drove all the way up there. I had an old black horse that just duck and uh, man we just had us some buckets set out there by the trailer and thought everything was great. So and I told her, I said, this is what I want to do. I want to make finals. So I started open with Martin and whenever January rolled around, I had $800 in my account. I had a black horse that couldn't outrun me <laughs> a foot and would just button hook. And hell, I thought everything was great. I mean, that first year I used, up until Pueblo, I used the same four ropes. I had some cactus magnets and- Four I'd, ropes. Four ropes. $800. I'd, yeah. 800 stock bucks trailer. and my stock trailer and one horse, which I traded the horse off at San Angelo for bull. The horse that I wound up riding my whole career until the gray horse I rode at the finals for junior. Um, I traded that horse for bull, and I had my four magnets, uh, cactus ropes that I used, and you know. And then whenever I got my deal with Classic, uh, heck, I wouldn't put five runs on a rope, you know. And it's just the mentality that you change, that you think about. Um, you know, I didn't know any different. I, I can remember growing up that. We'd use a rope a month. And right. So that was fine with us. We didn't care as long as you didn't have a hard spot in it and cut your hand off. So anyways, that's that's kind of the start that I got rodeo. And I left home with a brand new baby and a wife and I had eight hundred dollars is what I had to go rodeo on on and if I wouldn't have won that eight hundred bucks would have been gone and you know, talking about a confidence level and where you're at. You know, my wife and I, we both, I think that we were just content and we knew that. Well, and, and you got to think too, you know, from a young age, there was a, a huge amount of effort put into your roping and competing on probably not much money growing up. So a lot of the steers that you'd miss were really important steers. If oh, it yeah. was a short rounder, and so you're kind of used to roping on your last dollars <laughs> and, and growing I, up and, yeah, and then I, still working through that. So that, I, that's a mentality <laughs> that's it's, it's a hard one to have. But it's people. reality. I mean, that was yep. that was it. I I can remember knowing that throughout the year that if I didn't win or something went wrong, I was going to have to come home and get a job or do whatever I had to do to get some more money to get back out there. Now, I didn't have anybody at home I could call and send me money to go on. and um, Just had to figure it out. Just uh, You had to win. You right. know, and, and I can remember at Amarillo, Texas, one year I was 12 years old. I healed a steer up around the hips. I was high call back with Kent Youngblood in the, at the Panhandle Classic out there, and right. I healed a steer and sucked back. And my dad had a big sorrel stout horse, and he went to running backwards and popped the rope off saddle horn. And my dad whipping me. I mean, whip, spanked me in front of everybody for doing that. And you know, everybody just, oh, I can't believe that would happen, or this and that. And, and it, it was fine with me. I made a mistake, and I didn't do it ever again. I mean, I probably did it, but I was big enough and strong enough that I could hold it on the horn. Right. There was no, I wasn't going to lose $5,000 again with it coming off the horn. So, 
you know, and I'm probably a little hard on these boys here too. I, I ride them pretty hard, but uh, what don't break them makes them. And, and if they can't take my criticism and what I'm going to put on them, they're going to have a hard time out there with 300 other guys wanting to beat you down and beat you to do that. So I respect what my dad did for me. And, you know, I, I respect the, the support I had from a lot of people. And then there were some people that, that sure tried to keep me beat down and, and right. didn't want me in the mix of it or, or you know, would tell me I wasn't good enough and stuff. And that fed my fire just as much as anything. I mean, I'm the kind of person, if you tell me I can't do something, I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to do my best to, to show you that I can. And I see that attitude a lot in these guys. You know, they, they're getting tough. And, you know, the only difference in them and, and myself is that they want it just as bad as I do, but for different reasons. They they don't have to win to go. They're going to get to go, and and that's that's a great thing. That's that's a blessing for them to be able to do that. But I don't think that it would change their mentality if they had to win to go. It's just they don't know what money is. They don't care. Hell, I didn't either. I just wanted to know if I was going to get to go somewhere next weekend. It wasn't about the dollar. It was about getting the going rope and enjoy it. Yeah, putting the work in and being able to, to compete and, and get better. Yeah. Well, one of my favorite stories, and I, I feel like I have to get you to tell this one, is uh, you spent some time with Patrick Smith. And uh, you guys, were you guys living together at the time? Mm -hmm. And Well, we were bunking together, kind of. We were staying in his dad's, uh, he, had a, he owned an air conditioning business. Uh, maybe he run ducking or, I don't know exactly what they did, but something in that we were right. living in his shop he had an apartment in the shop so and then you guys would go to like kind of go around to arenas and practice and you you had your your what did what vehicle were you lincoln driving? mercury the yeah. lincoln mercury with the two horse inline mm -hmm. and then patrick what did he what was he driving he had a uh f-150 like a baby blue little pickup with a like a bumper pull ww stock trailer like a 16 foot bumper pull right. stock trailer yeah we were on 158 in gardendale I don't know where, I think we were coming from J.D. Logan's house, going back to Bobby Boyd's to practice. Like, we would go, we would rope at J.D. Logan's, Bobby Boyd's, Patrick's, whatever, uh, you know, Roy Shirley's, uh, uh, there's Roy, Mc, Roy McDaniel's. I mean, there's guys that, I know I'm forgetting some guys, but, heck, it was no, no problem for us to go to three or four places in one day and go rope, or, or rope at home and fight about who was going to head and who was going to heal. And, right. I mean, we roped. It wasn't no 50 steers a day. It was all day, it was every just, day. You ran as many we as the roped. day would allow. And it was like we, I think he had a Dun horse and Jaws, and then he had Nike. He had a Bay Mare. Uh, I had a horse I called Quigley, and I had Turbo and Buddy. And, you know, I, I mean, we didn't have, we had two or three horses, and, I mean, these suckers were in shape. Now they got roped on every day, but... So anyways, we were coming from JD's house going to <laughs> going to Bobby Boyd's and we're on 158 and he runs out of fuel and he puts his pickup in neutral and, and how we didn't get killed through a lot of things, I don't know. But he, so he's got his pickup and his stock trailer with horses in it and I just ram him with the Mercury and I push him 10 miles to the <laughs> convenience store so we could get some gas. And, hell, we didn't think anything was wrong with it, you know, but... And this is Patrick yeah. Smith and, and Jojo Lamont. <laughs> no. Oh, that's yeah. that's a pretty good story. And uh, how you know Patrick got started? He uh, he had a pretty 
tragic deal happened to him when he was younger, and I think he raced dirt bikes or something. But and whenever he started roping, that was he went and got riding lessons and kind of got to roping. And he headed at first, and God, God, he was awful. Like it was, it was terrible. It's, he still doesn't head very good, and make sure he hears that. Yeah. It was, uh, and then he started healing, and it was like. I mean, he, he's on one fast. of the best that there is. Yeah, right. he's he's unreal. Um, but he's been a great friend, and he's a great dad, and a great he's a great champion. He, you know, he carries himself well, and he's done good. And he he defeated the odds. You know, everybody said he would never make it, or you know, oh, it's it's too fast. It's not going to happen that fast. And I mean, just overnight, he was one of the top guys. And He's he's done really well for himself, and I'm proud of him. And his dad Richard has been supportive of of him and his mom, and even for me, you know, they've been so nice to me and so so polite to me every time I see them. They're a great family and deserve right. all the great things that come their way. That's awesome. All right, so you've made the finals the first time with Martin, and to me, what I find really fascinating is how you handle the practice sessions and the mentality because I mean that was probably the biggest moment have you had you won any big jackpots or anything up into that point so no I had quit um, well I, I won a U.S. Open at uh, Eric Oklahoma I think Eric or yeah it's uh, Eric Oklahoma and then um, I won uh, Abilene the U.S. Open and Albuquerque like back-to-back -back weekends there right that uh i'd won those and like went on by Ran five right. or six seconds right because i went there to practice maybe i was trying a bay horse that scott moore had at abilene and i was trying for a rodeo horse and it was yeah. i mean we were You're four on up. every one making of them back up. then and people were just like what in the world but you know at that time they scored them a long ways at the u.s it was eliminating rope and they wanted just to get your 150 bucks and you leave. Yep. And then uh, at Albuquerque, kind of the same deal. I, I don't even know what I was riding. It was a gray horse of it. I don't know. I think it was Tyler Magnus's horse and um, same kind of deal. Uh, and then I won the Vernon West with Kenny Harrell uh, maybe that year. And that was, well, that's probably the best year I've ever had jackpotting. Might be the only time I ever won anything <laughs> jackpotting. But. Um, no, I'd never, never, ever had done anything like that. Um, so, you know, I, and whenever I left that winter, it wasn't, I don't think it was a big surprise to me that I made the finals. I was kind of content that I could make the finals. Right. So, but I think taking... It for granted was a big mistake I made the first year. I uh, I had made the finals and I was kind of content with that. I think Martin and I practiced one day before we went to the finals. I was managing a ranch, um, the Darley Welta Cattle Company in Midland, and uh, I was just feeding cattle all winter and kind of wasn't working at it. And and then whenever he come to practice, Bull was turned out there at that ranch and. He hadn't been up in a few days. I went and found him. He was real sick and real thin, so I didn't get to ride him the first part of the finals. I had to ride a Kef horse that Kent Youngblood owned that we had headed on some, and 
it was just a terrible situation. He couldn't run enough, and whenever I'd get too much rope out there and hit him too hard and stuff was going bad. So I didn't take advantage of the situation that I was right. in. Um, you know, I so I think that I kind of fulfilled my dream at that point to just make the finals and get to go there. So, and... And were you, to me, like my first finals at that at that point, I would be so nervous. And I mean, even my practice, like I, I couldn't imagine not practicing that much. To, I, I would be, I'd probably run way too many steers and be breaking it down way too much. <laughs> and I mean, I, I don't know that how I would handle it real well. Uh, were you, did you have nerves or, I mean, did it, it didn't seem like it was too big of a moment that way. Were, Mm-mm. No, it, it was. Uh, I was more concerned about Brandon and the Kevs that fall, you know, than I was about the rodeo out there. And then all of a sudden, it was time to leave to go to the finals. And whenever I got to the finals, I just I thought, oh, it'll be another rodeo, no big deal. And then whenever I rode down the tunnel to go into the grand entries, whenever it hit me that first performance, and uh, I teared up and. You know, just this funny feeling come over me. And then after that night, it was another rodeo, and I knew that I wasn't practiced enough and I wasn't ready for the situation I was in. Uh, I, I roped good, I caught good and all that, but my handles were bad. And then the second week of the finals out there, I got to get on bull. Right. And it was like night and day difference, you know, and we, I think we won 50,000 or maybe 30,000. Um, that that finals and it was like we went to winning and it was pretty easy after that but we were already in a situation to where the average was out of right. our reach and stuff like that so um, I think we were I was going at him a little hard and he was safetying up a little too much uh, he, he had always wanted to win the average out there and he, he and Luke had they, they won it there a few years ago and I was glad that he got to do that but like our roping style didn't fit well at the at the finals. Now the regular season, it was good. It was good. Yeah, we yeah. we roped well together. So. And then, did you make the finals the very next year again? Also. By uh, the next three years. Next three yeah. years. So, the next year when you make the finals, who who are you roping with? Randon Adams. You're roping with Randon. Yeah, and it was. I mean, I had made up my mind that I wanted to win a gold buckle, and he was coming off of a world championship. And it was all day, every day, that's what we did. I mean, we wrote a lot, or I'd have somebody there practicing with me, and I was ready the next year whenever I went in. Well, and you guys made some runs there that were, you had sharp finishes, and because mm -hmm. there's a lot of details. that it, It's hard to be ready for that place because yeah. the start is so fast, and then the wall happens so quick. So yeah. having your horses sharp and... It was, it was good. We won uh, maybe two rounds, three rounds that year. Uh, no, we won two rounds and second in the round that we were three, four in. And had, uh, well, he's going to gripe at me for this, but we had four or five legs that cost us winning high in a bunch of other rounds. And that, uh, yeah, that's part of it. I right. mean, we were ready. There was no ifs, ands, or buts. There's nothing we could have changed uh, between either one of our roping. Um, you know, he had he slipped a couple legs. Uh, I don't know if it was my facing or what it was there, but just you know, I, I think back of all the guys that I've roped with, and I made the finals with Corey Petsko. That's probably who I won the best with was Corey. 
And at the finals, he struggled pretty good. And like that year, that horse kept rearing up every time he had rope one, and he slipped a couple legs. And then we won uh, two round or three rounds. We won two back to back, and then won another later round. I think it was the fifth and sixth round, and the ninth round we won, or something like that. Uh, and then we slipped some legs and stuff. Same kind of deal. But Corey and I went to 30 rodeos. We started at Reno. Um, I had three thousand dollars one. And we started there at Reno, and I don't know what he had won, but it was the 30 rodeos we went to, it was first or second or win the average. I mean, it was just like one yeah. really, really well together. Um, so 30 rodeos. and uh, I, I went to a total of 36 rodeos that year and made the finals. That's amazing. Um, and, and back then it was 100 rodeos, right? Uh, I think it was 150 then. 150. Maybe it was a hundred, but I just know. I mean, to me, a hundred. It is a changed lot, at but. some point in my career that there wasn't a limit on it. Therefore, maybe the first year I made the finals, or maybe that's the first year they had a limit, and then they extended it, and then they went back. Right. So, or maybe the year that I healed, there wasn't a limit on it. Something I don't know. A hundred is usually about or seventy-five. I don't. I don't know what it is. Basically, but, yeah. half the amount of rodeos. Right. And maybe the rough stock riders could go to 150 and we could go to 100 yeah. as well. I don't know. I'd have to look back. I'm not sure on that, so don't hold me to any of that. But, um, yeah, you could – we could have went never maxed out. And uh, at that time was the year that, that Gunner was born and I had all the trouble with him. You know, he was living in the hospital and right. um, still I had to come home from Houston. And it was just – kind of a bad deal for Randon and I. I mean, we're still great friends and you know that's what I was fixed to say a while ago. As good as Corey and I won and all that, uh, you know, I think back, people ask me all the time, well who'd you rodeo with? And well Randon Adams. You know, that, that was my partner. That's the and Martin got me there and Martin taught me a lot of stuff and I'm very grateful to Martin. But, you know, Randon was my partner and I mean we're we're buds and um just it was a bad time in my life for the kids and dealing with depression that you know I didn't want to be out there didn't want to do it I thought I wanted to be home and uh, the the cards I dealt I thought that they were just unfair and yada yada deal and it was nothing but my depression and me being ignorant about things that right. it wasn't working out for us he wanted to go and I didn't want to go so we chose to split up and I and I was not going to go and then Petska needed to run Right. So yeah, I went with him for a little bit, and I had no intentions of making the national finals. Well, I mean, realistically, I mean, there's probably a very hand, very few times that teams have went in with less than ten thousand to Reno, and and made it to the finals. Especially you guys made it in the top five, didn't you? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, well, I he like, was definitely battling. I think he might have went in number one or number two in the world. Right. Um, but. So I know that Clay Trine pulled it off one year, kind of same story deal, just went out and yeah, won everything. Yeah, maybe but, Brandon and Jim Ross. And uh, there's yeah, been some times, yeah. but the, I mean, 30 rodeos. I, in fact, you and um, Cody Ole are the only guys that I've heard of, just off the top of my head, that have went to less than 35 rodeos and, yeah. and made the finals. And that's, that's yeah. just that's crazy to think. It, it, it was just one of those years that it didn't matter. I had a young black horse that was just a runaway and – uh, he's fast, and everything worked out great. Yeah. And 
Then the next time, you know, I roped with Dakota and, and he didn't make it and I roped with Junior out at the finals there. Uh, you know, I've had an outstanding career. The steer open every year that I've tried to make it in the steer open, I've been fortunate enough to get to go there and I enjoy roping steers and, um, you know, it's just been good. I, I wish that I would have been more mature whenever I'd made it my first few times or even, I think if I'd have made it now, I would have right. stayed hooked and stayed through it. So. Humility is a hard thing to teach though. And it's a, and I would just be grateful to, to have it at this point because it's it's so hard to, to grasp that and to see where you're at with your life now and, oh, yeah, and the things is, you're doing, it's, it's, it, it's pretty cool. Well, I think we'll kind of wrap it up. One thing that we've, I've been trying to do with this is, you know, it's, to me, you hear it's a lot of a mindset, you know, whatever situation you're in. And, and, and Joe, your situation is as, as tough as anyone could probably have it. Or, I mean, and, and to you, you didn't see it that way. Nah. And what would you recommend to, to young guys out there, young guys and girls that are wanting to, to you know, follow their dreams and, and do what's, what's in their hearts to do? What would you recommend to, what advice would you give them? You know, the only advice I can give you on following a dream, don't make it a, a mission that's, that's not, you know, realistic. If you want it, you'll find a way to get it. And that's when you know it's a dream. Just because you think that you want something doesn't mean that you're going to get that. Because I always thought, you know, when I was riding cow horses that I'd go to, to the fraternity and I'd, you know, train this and train that. I didn't want that. What I wanted was to be a cowboy and to to win at the top of the level that, you know, that we play at. I wanted to be one of the top guys and I was not gonna take no for an answer. And being a cowboy, I mean, to this day, I get to be a cowboy. I wake up in the morning and ride colts or build fence or shoe horses or rope with the kiddos or go somewhere and rope and go doctor yearlings or something. I mean, I, I've got to do everything that I ever wanted. And, and you know, I, I mean, just like starting the rope company, starting the rodeo company, I owned a rodeo company for a while. My wife and I bought a ranch and uh, everything that I wanted to do, that I wanted, I found a way to make it work. Right. So I think set your goals to, to be realistic and, and what you want will make it. And I've said it a hundred times if I've said it once on here, we're created in God's image, and if if you're created that way, I'm created this way. What is there that we can't do? You know, I mean, that's the greatest story of all is in the Bible, and all you gotta do is open it up and read what what has been done through my beliefs, what I follow. You know, I, I probably don't follow follow it as well as I should, and act the way I should all the time. But I am a Christian, and I believe in that 100%. And for me to be created in that image. There's nothing you can do that I can't do. And I have the confidence now that I promise you that, I mean, you you can argue with me all you want. And right. We can battle it out. I might not be able to do it today, but you give me enough time and I want it, I'll find a way to do it. So that's what I try to tell these knuckleheads is all the time. You know, I didn't have it the way that you guys have it. You have a pin full of fresh roping kids. You have the best steers uh, you know you have great horses you have all this stuff and you talk about wanting it but i've i have not yet seen action that that's what you're going to do and you're not going to take no for an answer 
And until you get to the point to where all you can do is lay around and think about that, it's kind of like a, a boy with his first love. I mean, that's all that they can think about is that girl. And that's the way it is for rodeoing and roping. If that's what you want, that's all you think about. And that's, that's why I tell them you shouldn't get married and do anything like that until after you've done what you wanted to as rodeoing because you're a self-centered prick when you're rodeoing. That's right. all that... Right. I've seen very few guys that are dominant that win that aren't about themselves. Very few of them. And it's just a dog-eat-dog -dog world out there, and I, I don't take anything away from them because I was that guy. Whenever I wanted it, I didn't care what you had to say or what you thought. Now I, I want to know what you think and what I want to help you get there. I don't... I'm not worried about getting there, you know. I'm not going to go pat you on the back and tell you how good you're doing because I could care less. I wanted to worry about what I was doing right. and what I needed to do. And until they get to that point, then, you know, don't set a goal. But whenever you know that that's what you want, you'll find a way to get it.